Hey, beautiful soul fam, welcome to a magical, yet really down to earth and practical, yet uber powerful episode today. I am your Ceremony Circle podcast host, shaman and author, Allison Charles, and today we are blessed to share space with a brilliant woman named Kelly Noonan Gores. She is the writer and director of an acclaimed documentary that you might have already seen called Heal. And if you haven't watched it yet, I highly recommend. It's on Amazon Prime, and I think it's also on Netflix right now. And since the Heal documentary release, she's also authored a book of the same title. Now, Kelly grew up in front of the camera, acting on and off in commercials, TV, and film from the age of seven. Then in 2012, she started Elevate Entertainment with the intention to create conscious media that informs, inspires, and empowers, which I love so much. And then her intention specifically with the Heal platform is to empower people with the knowledge about the incredible ability intelligence of the human body and inspire people to expand their belief about what's possible and become conscious co-creators with life. So we, of course, dive into all of that. We talk about so many personal, miraculous stories. It's one of, it's such a fun conversation. Uh, But Kelly and I actually first connected before I knew that she was the director of Heal. She is one of 25 epic contributors that I chose for my Animal Power book. I picked different spiritual teachers, leaders, and shamans from around the world to talk about a personal story of connection that they have with an animal that really changed their life. And in today's show, we dive into, no pun intended, Kelly's connection with the whale. And then the flow of our conversation, it just took on one of my favorite forms because it's totally organic, divinely guided, really took on a life of its own. We share how the subconscious lens that gets developed within each of us from conception to age seven is the programming that really kicks into high gear, especially when we're overly exhausted, when we're triggered, or when we're in more of a survival mode state than what we might actually realize. I share some huge insights I personally gained recently around my personal lens, and we both talk about ways you you can become more aware of yours so that you're able to navigate potentially dramatic or chaotic situations with as much health, ease, and grace as possible. So we talk about tips for staying in connection with your inner wisdom, your highest self, your ability to trust yourself in your connection with the divine. Kelly shares how she selected some of the incredible spiritual teachers that are featured in the HEAL documentary, like Dr. Joe Dispenza, Bruce Lipton, Kelly Brogan, and many more. And I wanted to personally know, was it hard to get them on board? The media doesn't exactly have a great track record of portraying we spiritual leaders and teachers in the greatest light. So I was curious, did they say yes instantly? Did she have to convince anyone? And she also talks of her own miraculous healing moment that she personally experienced while directing the documentary. It's such a magical story. We also talk about the power of our minds, how to get to the root cause of physical ailments by focusing more on the soul, on the emotions and spiritual level work. What teachers, books, and ceremonies and practices led her to the high level of consciousness she currently operates from. And we conjure up our infinite potential and why truly the most powerful healer is within before we close with one of my all-time favorite ceremonies, 
as we unexpectedly get led into a brief, impromptu, but potent mama-child transmission. This one was definitely spirit-led, and I can't wait for you to weave with us. So let's get going with Kelly Noonan-Gores. Okay, Kelly, here we are. Here we are. So happy to be here. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. It's nice to see your house is beautiful. Really, I love the coziness. Good vibes in there. Yeah, this is my cozy room for sure. I, I should have a fire in that little fireplace. Uh, right yeah, I do have a candle going for us. So we do have the fire medicine with us, but just not as, as grand as a fireplace. But thank you so much for joining Ceremony Circle. And I just want to dive into all things healing as you are the director of the acclaimed documentary titled Heal. And I'm sure a lot of the beautiful soul fam who are sitting with us today have maybe already even watched it since I do have a strong spiritual community who were all into this topic. And when I started to feel into the flow for our conversation, the first thing that came to me as a person who comes from the entertainment industry and especially the production and hosting and television world, I was thinking to myself, okay, something monumental had to have been the driving force for you to want to take on a project of this magnitude because from a producer brain and standpoint, I'm like, oh my God, this project, I mean, did it not kick your ass to make this? <laughs> Honestly, it had to yeah. have been huge. I mean, it was totally a calling beyond beyond, you know, my doing, I finally, I was like marinating in my soul and heart for, I don't know, eight years or something. And then when I was finally ready to do it, it was just one of those things that was like, I have to do this. It's, I'm not doing it for money. I'm not doing it for anything other than there is this urge within me to put all my teachers in a film and empower people with information that empowered me. And I did it. So I kind of was like, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to say yes. And I'm going to let this energy that's flowing through me just do the rest of the work, you know? So that's kind of what I did. I put my hands up and was like, okay, let's go. And do you remember the first moment where the idea burst open inside of you? Do you recall that precise moment? I don't recall. I don't. I wish I did. You know, I just, I don't know what it was. I think it was a combination of like, there was a few moments, but one of the moments was reading. I remember where I was. I was in Equinox on Westwood Boulevard in, in Westwood. I mean, on Wilshire and reading the biology of belief on like stair climber or whatever I was doing. And I was reading about epigenetics and proteins. And he was describing how these proteins are like walking like little men. And I was just like, whoa, like I've always had this really unexplainable micro macro cosm understanding of the universe like we're little cells like floating around the universal body like it's just i've always had this weird visualization of that or visualized it as such and so when he was explaining how we're not victims of our genes and the genes are a blueprint and our choices and our beliefs and our perception of life and the lens of our subconscious mind like mm. turns on and off our genes i was like holy shit everybody needs to know this like we're not victims of our genes and i just 
just wanted to like shout it from the rooftops. So I think that was like the moment where I was like, oh, I need to teach people. They have more power than they have been led to believe. And so that was probably the seminal moment. Oh, I love that. That's so good. I'm also definitely on the train of, I always, even when I'm teaching, leading, guiding, facilitating something, my true ultimate objective and intention is to always you know, place the power back onto whoever is joining me in this space and to just help people remember and unlock these ancient wisdoms that are stored inside of us. And you sharing what you just said, you know, brought me back to that intention to, yeah, just help people remember how to empower themselves and to get out of victim mentality. And that was definitely coming in. I had watched Heal a long time ago because I believe it came out in 2017. So I watched it when it first came out, but then the other day I was like, let me refresh. And so I popped back in and I was like, okay, I was using it almost like an Oracle card deck. I just hit the fast forward button and I was closed my eyes and I'm like, I'm going to press play and just see. I was curious where Heal opened up to. And what was fascinating is it opened precisely to the point where you have the neuroacoustic wizard speaking. And I just, first of all, love his title. <laughs> so I made sure I wanted to um, give a shout out to, to that title specifically and to the place where it was talking about that 90% of illness is really due to stress and how these fight or flight systems that can get running in our own bodies and those systems take away the energy from our ability to have strong memory or strong immune or strong digestion and you know the systems that need to be running so that we feel like we're in full good health and thriving and then I was reflecting on, oh my gosh, well, if 90% of illness is due to stress, and then thinking about how since you launched this documentary, how the state of the world has changed so much, and how so many people have been thrust into a place where they experience abnormal or higher amounts of stress or anxiety just because of all the confusion and all the different types of information that are coming in. I don't know what's bubbling up inside of you and I don't have like a specific question. I just thought that that was fascinating that I opened right to that statistic and how it is so tied in and timely with what is going on in the world. So what are your thoughts on all of that I just said? Uh, well, I don't know why, but I'm getting emotional. It's like, it's just been really stressful the last two years. And I feel like I'm watching a bad movie unfold because of where I came from and like what I had learned through making the documentary and the research leading up to it. I was so acutely aware of how stress and fear shut down our immunity, shut down our digestion, lead to a cascade of just awful things going on in our body and shut down our higher brain centers, our critical thinking and our prefrontal cortex because we're in survival mode. And so as I watch the like pandemic start and the news and everything, I mean, I literally haven't, I can't watch the news. I get a visceral, physical, sick reaction to it today. Same. And I did before, but it was mostly like local news was too violent for me. I'm very sensitive. And then like, you know, cable news throughout the last four years with the Trump administration and like just both sides of the candle, just pundits yelling at each other. Like I, you know, I turned that off after a while, like, you know, so I was just acutely aware that fear was literally pouring gasoline on a pandemic that didn't need to be what it was and aware of so much more because I'm aware of 
the ins and outs of the politics of medical establishment and research and academia and pharmaceutical industry. So it was just a really, it was a bad movie that's gotten worse and worse and worse. So I just, yeah, I think it gave me a different perspective because I didn't get sucked into the fear because I, I had a different level of awareness leading up to it. So I was grateful for that, but it's just, it was just like really hard to see the panic mm-hmm. around me. And, and now I just look, you know, on both sides of the issue and it's, it's just all so interesting. Now I'm like trying not to get sucked into the drama of it all and just sit mm-hmm. back and go, this is all so interesting because on both sides of the coin, let's just take like, you know, to, I mean, there's just like, whether it's politics, whether we're, we're divided, we're like social media has made us divided into two polarized, polarized sides, right? Whether, no matter what the issue is, it's like black or white. There's like very little gray anymore. And what I see, no matter which side of the kind of belief system, like if you're buying it fully into the mainstream narrative, or if you're totally rejecting the mainstream narrative of what the pandemic is and and what the solution is, we're all being driven by fear and we're all being driven by a motivation to be healthy. But it's like, two different sides of the exact same coin. Some people fear COVID and that's a valid fear. People have died. Vulnerable people have are very, you know, at risk. And then on the other side, people are fearing their loss of freedom and totalitarianism and, you know, loss of sovereignty over in their own body. So it's like, there's just fears on both sides and really the motivation on both sides is people just want to be healthy and free, free from a pandemic, free from having to wear masks and all the stress of, you know, what, what's going on in our society. And then the other side is fearful of losing actual freedom. So it's just like, we all want to be healthy and free. And what I learned from you know, especially Bruce Lipton's work, because we've touched upon him, it's all about subconscious programming. We're all programmed from the ages of zero to seven. So we're, those programs are coloring the lens through which we look at life. And those programs are determining kind of which side of the coin we're on. Mm. So it's like, mm. we shouldn't other each other. We shouldn't yeah. make you're bad. You're the problem. You're to blame. You're an idiot. You're ignorant. It's like, no, everybody's just operating through their program. We're all being driven by some level of fear. And we all, every single human being wants to be healthy and free. That's it. Amen. Thank you for going there and tuning in and tapping in the way you did and expressing. And there were two things that came in. One, I'm curious because I really feel... I'm very grateful that for the last couple of years, I have also been able for 90 plus percent of the time to somehow stay outside of or above or just somewhere beyond the extreme fear-based narratives. Even with that being said, there have still been moments, and this is with me, you know, starting every single day, you know, tuning into my heart and asking my heart, mind, body, spirit, soul, how are you doing? What do you need today? The next going to my altar and connecting to great spirit and great mother earth and, you know, using whatever shamanic modalities I'm called to. And these are just a couple of examples, even with me having these daily practices um, and having done, you know, a lifetime of healing work, I still hit up against a couple of, at least a couple of moments in the last couple of years where I could feel it was like, 
I was still in my consciousness and conscious awareness, but then I was also in this awareness of like how easy it could be to get pulled into all these various storylines and narratives. And it gave me so much compassion for those who have gotten really sucked in and blinded by some of these storylines. So how did you maintain your center? Um, Did you have certain practices? Was it morning meditation or like doing detoxes. I mean, what did you go to in the past couple of years that kept you outside of getting pulled into some of this extremism? Yeah, really good point. Cause I have, I had moments for sure where I was like starting to get sucked in. Cause everyone's like, Oh, here's a solution. Let's go race and do it. I was like, wait, I can afford to wait and see a little bit. You know what I mean? Um, but I was sitting back and watching myself be pulled in a direction that didn't really resonate with me at the time. And then go, wait a second. I'm just, that's just like me getting pulled down the current of fear and what the majority of people are doing. So it's really interesting to watch. And then now, and it was interesting because prior to the pandemic, I had just released the heal book in October of 2019. And I had been, you know, I'd done the research for Heal. I made Heal, as you said, it's low budget documentary. Why in the world would you do this? Why would you take this on? It was a lot, but it was obviously a passion project. But so like the three years, it took two years from start to finish. And then we released it into a lot of PR. And then I started writing the book based on my publisher, you know, said you need to immediately write the book because people will love this in their hands. And then as I was finishing writing the book, I got pregnant. So then I had the baby, released the book. And and I was literally calling, like tuning into myself going, I need six months off. Mm. I just need six months off to refill my tank. And then the pandemic hit and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I, I need to be more more specific about how I get the six month off, like Jesus. But so for me, you know, really taking advantage of the bright side of the shutdown and looking outside and seeing nature kind of flourish. And when humans are taken off the grid for a moment, and I'm so blessed. I was, you know, I have a house on the beach. So I was every day outside on in the sand and in the ocean and in the sun. So I was just really trying to like connect with nature and slow down and, and do my rituals of like meditation and, and all of those things, grounding and meditation are probably the biggest and movement, but grounding meditation. So that was at the beginning. Now things kind of open back up and I feel like everybody's now facing this weird thing of burnout. And I think we're just all just so tired of the confusion and the, the arguing and the othering and the we're not free to move about the country and, and the world. And so I think we're just all kind of burnt out on the whole thing. And it's just really interesting leading up to this conversation. I'm like literally on the brink of burnout. Like it's just a lot the week leading up to this. I, cause I have a podcast as well for heal and you know, it's just a, it's a very demanding workload. And mm-hmm. so in anticipation of the break for the holidays, we're turning in like the whole month of December in a couple of weeks, like in a two week period of time. So it was just a really work heavy. I had, I like all my daily routines went out the window. My toddler is two and a half years old. She's smack dab in the phase of big emotions and no and tantrums. And so I'm just like, Ride. And so again, having these conversations and having a moment of peace really gives me compassion. Just like you said, like there's a lot of people out there that don't have the tools and that don't have the daily practices. And it's easy to get ripped down the current of fear with, you know, a lot of people. And and so it just, it's times like these where you're just like, okay, I have so much compassion for A, mothers everywhere. And B, just, it just shows me how important my tools are to yeah. just like might like 
seeking, it just, our instrument is so brilliant and we are a tuning fork to truth, you know, and we just need to continue to have our routines like meditation to connect with ourselves so we can practice awareness so we can know what our body is telling us yeah. in every moment energetically. And so it's just, you know, if we can learn and you're doing it with your work and I tried to do with Heal, how brilliant and intelligent and connected and spiritual our physical body instrument is mm -hmm. and learn how to play it and work it and let it give you feedback and answers to not only what's going on inside with your health, but what's going on in the world. It's, you know, it's a big advantage to navigating life. And I think that point you made a few minutes ago too around Bruce Lipton speaking to the lens of our operating system being that unconscious lens that gets developed in between what were the ages in between seven and and birth, yeah in utero to seven years old. Okay. And I just feel compelled to touch on that again, because I do feel that is so important to illuminate for others if they didn't have that awareness, because I know for me, I just want to kind of tune into how I want to share this piece. I'm just going to kind of, I haven't spoken it out loud yet. So I'm just going to kind of ramble it out and just see what comes out and then just see if anything comes to you with this share that's brief one. But one of the interesting... I guess I'll label it snags that I hit up against with just the state of the world and the awakening and just everything that's going on. Felt like I was being confronted with a pretty extreme decision point. And because at a very young age, at like two and a half years old, I was confronted with a, a most powerful decision point of my life of choosing my alignment with the divine, my connection and relationship with God, goddess, or choosing my relationship and connection with my father. And at two and a half years old, I made the decision point to maintain my connection and relationship with my dad. But in that moment, I really felt like there are two options and I chose my relationship with my dad. Then that took me and I wouldn't change a thing. And I love my dad and we're good. I always like to say that, but it took me on a, you know, many, many, many years long journey then of where, because I pretty much lost my whole connection line to divine, I was in a lot of anguish. I developed a lot of autoimmune disorders. I was in an abusive relationship for almost two decades. It caused my awakening. And again, I wouldn't change all of this. There's so many teachings um, that happened along the way. However, having gone through that and know so intensely what can happen and what it feels like when you jeopardize or compromise your alignment with your inner knowing and your alignment with the divine. I know the hell that came with that. Then recently, you know, I made a decision, a certain type of decision because I was in clear alignment within my own inner wisdom and information from divine that I should make this decision. And then, you know, there were some people around me that didn't understand or didn't agree with that decision. And, you know, I did my best to stay calm and to stay outside of any potential chaos or drama 
but it ended up being quite an explosive situation. And then in hindsight, I mean, there were so many teachings that came from this implosion, but in hindsight, one of, if not the biggest that I became aware of was the reason that I ended up kind of getting roped into some of the, the chaos energies in that decision-making was because the lens I was operating from was the zero to seven, where I previously made the decision to compromise my inner wisdom and compromise my alignment with divine. It kicked me into survival mode and fight or flight. And I was, and everything in my being was like, I mean, it was like a Kali fire initiation, which legit did happen amongst all of that I'm talking about because every single particle in my being, mind, body, spirit, soul was saying, you cannot compromise. You cannot compromise your inner knowing. You cannot compromise the information you're getting with from the divine, even if it means the demise of a relationship that's meaningful to you. Mm -hmm. And so it was just a wild, and I'm just, I, I'm sharing all this because for some reason I felt just compelled to, and if it offers anyone listening some peace of mind that yes, even someone quote unquote like me, who is a shaman, but I'm just as much human as I am a shaman can have these types of experiences and the world is going through something that it is right now. I just wanted to share and I understood the energetic workings of that implosion because I got to understand like you touched on that framework perspective and lens that I was in and operating from when this situation occurred. So I don't know. I don't know if anything came up for you. I don't know if you know of any practices that you teach or Bruce Lipton teaches where, because if people can take a moment even now and try to reflect upon what might my unconscious framework be, where might I be operating from, it can give you then that deeper understanding, which then provides compassion and forgiveness to yourself and for others. So anything come up for you? <laughs> so much came up. <sighs> Thank you for sharing. And I would say that it feels almost like, I mean, I feel like you and I are on similar paths. I mean, I think a lot of people listening to the podcast probably, you know, have their childhood stuff that they've spent the last, you know, 10, 20, 30 years unpacking and looking at and wondering why did I get into the cycle of abusive relationships or whatever? Oh, because it's like mirroring that belief or disconnection or whatever happened in childhood, the trauma. So then you've done all this work and you're a shaman, you're helping others, you know, you're reflecting back to others, their stuff, and you're helping to heal. And, and then life is like, okay, let's see if you've fully integrated and healed this thing that you learned a lot about and you brought to the light, but let's, I hate to use the word test, you know, it's not a test like Zelda or anything, but you know, it it's an just initiation like, for sure. Yeah. It's initiation. And so I feel like I'm kind of, this is like, we are, I feel like we're just in this like fire right now, you know, and it's everything is speeding up in the universe and everything is just, it's just very intense. And so I would just say like, I'm going through something similar where I've, I'm starting to feel a little bit more compelled to be completely, fully, authentically open about my 
beliefs because, you know, I'm just like such a, like I'm an empath and I'm sensitive. So I like to keep the peace because I entrain my state to the people in my environment. So if everybody can stay happy and I can help to elevate the energy of the room, then I'm in a good state. And so I just expend a lot of energy keeping the peace. And now I'm just like, I just feel this again, like the calling for heal. I feel this like little bubbling of like, you know what, even though it's terrifying, I am just so kind of that the heat is heating me up inside to where I've like, I'm just like, you know what, I just, I don't want to, I don't want to censor myself anymore. I don't want to be so diplomatic that I'm not being fully authentically expressed. And this is, again, if I go back to my stuff as a child, my programming, you know, I had a very explosive father and again, done the work. I love my father. We're all good. He's just, he was just like a, you know, six foot four, two-year-old, my childhood. So I had to walk on eggshells and keep the peace and keep him happy and beat myself up if I made a mistake. So it was just this, you know, a lot of people can relate to that kind of dynamic. And so my work has become to just like be fully expressed and not people pleasing and not spending so much energy making other people happy and just like still do it with love, but like fully express myself. So that's what I'm kind of bubbling up against right now. And it's terrifying. I would say that the thing, the only practice or kind of awareness tool that I have around this right now is, and my friend Peter Crone has helped me with this a lot. It's like, get excited about your triggers because a lot of us get triggered and we shut down and we go into the subconscious programming and the habits and the escapism and, and what everything else. But if you get triggered, start to cultivate like just a little bit of space so you can go back and go, oh, a trigger just knocked me off my center. That is a signpost. That's a flare that is showing me where I'm still not free or where I still need some healing work. So start to change rather than this repulsion to triggers or, you know, going into unconscious behavior, start to go, okay, I'm triggered here. Step back, start to feel your emotions and go, okay, what is this telling you? What's the belief underlying here? What's the wound that's at the base of this, you know? Mm. So it's like a trigger is like a really a flare that you're like excited to dive into. So it's, it's like a torch in the cave that you fear to enter. I love that. Yeah. I have found when I'm able to be in mastery of what you just said, it is a game changer and it does bring true miraculous alchemy into my life and my life expression and my life experience. I'm just so glad that we got organically taken down on whatever this river is that we're on, because I, I do think it will help so many people. Even if you're someone that's devoted your life to the spiritual path and healing and facing yourself, and you've done work for 10, 20, 30 plus years, even being that type of person, because of the extraction and everything going on in the world, it's almost like you can't escape sometimes the exhaustion that's just overcoming our beings. And I myself have felt it too. I took those listening to the show know that I didn't put any interviews out all of November, all of December. I stayed off social media for those two months as well. And I came back, you know, in January to put these episodes out because of a lot of what we're talking about. I needed to land and integrate from all these initiations. I needed to create more breath, more space. I needed to, you know, take a massive pause so that I didn't go beyond exhaustion and get really burnt out. And the same thing when those trigger moments happen, keeping in mind that your system is probably operating at a higher propensity to more quickly go into fight or flight. And you might be a bit more 
in survival mode on a daily basis than what you think that you are. I'm not saying that this is a given. I'm just saying there's a possibility of what I'm saying. So knowing that you might be running a bit more on survival mode and when the trigger moment happens, there might be a bit higher propensity for you to get snagged and snared into a pain body dance being even more aware of the importance of doing exactly what you just said of the pause and the breath so that you don't get instantly into a pain body dance and things don't ha they don't have to get as chaotic or dramatic or uncomfortable or ugly as they do when you instantly get ensnared if you can just make an intention or you know set the goal and tell your own being right now if it resonates like if a trigger happens i give myself permission to be with it to breathe with it to speak with it to ask the rage or whatever the feeling is ask it questions oh if we can just make that a big goal right now i think it will be of service for the world so thank you for sharing the practice that you and peter have been working on because i have also been doing the same and it's helpful yeah thank you you gave it more color so that's gonna help me too <laughs> Hey fam, I hope you're enjoying today's lovely Ceremony Circle podcast voyage. This is just a quick note to remind you that Animal Power Book, my first book, is officially out in the world right now. It has been released. And even before it was released, it was being rated as the top new release on Amazon in both the shamanism and angel and spirit guide categories. I'm so thankful to all of you who have already purchased the book, but for those of you who haven't, Animal Power 100 Animals to Energize Your Life and Awaken Your Soul is now available anywhere books are sold. You can go to your independent bookstores, you can go to Target, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever you please, and you can pick up a copy for yourself and your friends. Within the book, I share with you what power animals are, how to connect with power animals, why you want to, and there are 100 different power animal allies featured. Each has a full page of embodied, vibrant, colorful artwork done by the late William Santiago out of Brazil. And then there are energy messages and power practices that are rituals and ceremonies you can do to deepen your relationship with the animal. And there are also stories from other shamans and spiritual teachers from all around the world. They talk about an animal that changed their life. This is the project that I am most honored to co-create and to bring out into the world. It is powerful. This book is definitely a living, breathing medicine book. And I have been so enjoying all of your personal stories of what you've been experiencing with it since you have gotten it in your hands. So you can, again, go to anywhere books are sold or you can go to my website, alisoncharles.com backslash animal power. And when you order the book there, you also get a free video guided shamanic journey that I facilitate with my drum for you to meet your current power animal. All right, guys, back to the show. So I'd like to go back. I'm so curious again, just maybe it's the TV producer, pardon me, when you're in the process of making heal, I one 
wanted to understand how you picked the teachers and leaders that you included, like, you know, what was your framework there? And for you personally, did you have any unexpected epiphanies or miraculous healing moments, whether it was a healing on the emotional level or, you know, did, did you yourself, as you were in the throes of, of producing and writing and directing this, did something unexpected happen in your life? Oh, yeah, actually, that's, those are so good. Okay, so how did I pick the teachers? Most of them, like the crux of them, like Joe Dispenza, Bruce Lipton, Michael Beckwith, Greg Braden. It was going to be Wayne Dyer as well, but he passed away right before we started filming. So I don't know if it came first or actually went to, I think I went to a Celebrate Your Life conference with my mom, like 2010 or something. And I was just like so moved by all of these. And Marianne Williamson, Marianne Williamson's book, Return to Love. I read it at 19 when I was kind of, I would say maybe I was like experienced depression on and off in college uh, for the first time in my life. I had never experienced that before. Didn't, you know, nobody called it that back then. It was, you know, 22 years ago. But so I was like, I was just feeling very lost and kind of it would oscillate between like anger and just lostness. And then obviously sadness very much underneath, but I just didn't know what how to even like put words to it. So I read this, someone gave me this book, Return to Love. And I was like, oh my gosh, it resonated so deeply. And that was like my like coming back to like some sort of spiritual knowing and, and definition because I was raised Catholic and then I didn't get confirmed. And I was like, I guess I was like questioning if God existed for my high school days. And then I went to college and I felt, you know, like a ship without a rudder. And then I read her book and I was like, yes, you can either come with fear from fear and create hell on earth, or you can come from love and create heaven on earth, basically just distill it. So Marianne was like my first kind of trajectory of spirituality seeking. And and so the Celebrate Your Life conference, like Bruce Lipton, all these people were there. And I was like, oh my God, I've learned so much. I'm so empowered. I had this whole journal and it was great. Then I started going to Agape. So Michael Beckwith was a very close teacher of mine. And then there was a few other people that I had wanted to reach out to. And they actually became like, they, they couldn't do it for whatever the reason. Like for, for some reason, it was uh, Dr. Christian Northrup, like back then. And because I wanted to get more females in there. And she said, I can't, I'm in May, you know, she was not able to do it. But she said, if you're going to be in New York, interview Kelly Brogan, Anthony William, and Kelly Turner, who are like three of the biggest, like anchors of the film for me, you know, and so it was just really cool, like where there was a no, like we'd mm. immediately like look left. And there's like, a whole lot of yeses. So kind of just flowed that way. And yeah. And then there was just like certain things, like I had a really strong intention to follow real people on healing journeys because a lot of documentaries about the same topic, it would interview the person who had healed. And it was just like in hindsight and some B-roll and that was it. So I wanted to like go with them and show the complexities of like why someone heals, why someone doesn't heal you know, how like the story afterwards sounds all rosy, but like during it, it's, you know, there's moments of hell. And so I really wanted to find a veteran because I wanted to highlight that community and show that there's so much more you could do to heal the mind, you know, with through meditation and some of these other modalities, psychedelics or whatever. And I, ne I just never aligned with the veteran, you know, but it led me to other things. So it was just, mm. it was just a really like kind of fluid process where like, Nose were never like, there was never any real walls. It, everything was like a little, we just, it was a cool process where my team who was small and nimble, just, we all practiced what we were learning and teaching in the film. You know, yeah. we would just be like, we'd have faith. 
if a no, if a door was closed, we, we would know that it meant a better door was going to open, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we just kind of like stayed in that. It was really cool just to see it flow. I love that. And before you answer the other question about what healing came up for you, I was also curious whether it was through the, the people you featured who, like you said, were going through the process of healing themselves of different things or the teachers. Did you hit up against any resistance? Because I know when I've been approached, I've been in a lot of development meetings over the last number of years for different networks about, you know, featuring, you know, reality shows, a docu-series on healers or shamans. And, and I would take the calls and take the meetings. And at the end of them, I'm like, I've been in development. I used to be a person that would develop shows. And um, I've also been a producer. And so I know typically the formula that people look for. And I just, you know, up until this time, there's just never been a project that resonated because typically people in the media, it's gotten better thanks to people like you. But for the most part, majority of the projects that feature healers and spiritual teachers were mocked. We look, you know, kind of kooky and ungrounded and like, you know, just kind of wacky people. And I've always been a bit perplexed and also annoyed and angry at times of how, yeah, spirituality still in the media gets mocked. And clearly that is the opposite of how you, you know, created Heal. But I just wondered if any of the teachers really had a lot of questions for you to ensure, you know, that the goal and the focus was going to be one of like a high level and not some kooky charade. Totally. And, you know, these teachers get asked all the time to be in documentaries and, you know, 90% of the documentaries never see the light of day or 10%, you know, nobody ever sees them. So, and then there's like, you know, 10% that are actually really impactful and great. And so it's a real gamble for these teachers to kind of sign on because it is a risk. There's so, as you know, very intimately, like so much chemistry and kismet and like alignment has to happen for a film of any kind to be successful. Cause there's so there's thousands of moving parts and humans and crew members and cast members and story. And I mean, it just like, it just has to be some, you know, kind of divine harmony. So funnily enough, like they just, because they're all in the same community and a lot of them are friends. It was like when one signed on, they all kind of started to, it was like one had to take the leap. And hmm. I know he's controversial right now, but it was Deepak was the first one to say yes through a mutual friend of mine. I think he got comfortable with just like, I don't know, or he just like took a leap. And then, and he was, and he had very like strong contractual like protections, you know, we mm. gave him a little extra freedom of like, I think he was the only one we gave because he was the first one to sign on. He got the luxury of like, he could, he had final cut over his participation and he could see the breadth of the work and then determine if he wanted to be in it. We kind of gave him that. So that was, yeah. that was his nugget. And then once he was in and like one other person said, yes, all of the rest of them said yes, because mm -hmm. they're all in the same community. And then it was just like, okay, great. We're at least we all know we're going down together. If yeah. <laughs> terrible, totally. You know? <laughs> totally. So, so that was great. And then, you know, one of the experts had gotten burned before she was a less famous one and she had been portrayed. She'd been duped by some producers and portrayed trade in a negative light, kind of a quackery light, which is ironic because she's like a legit scientific researcher. So she just was like very adamant about me. Like, so I kind of gave her final review over how I cut her interviews to make her get comfort around. I'm not taking her out of context. And she had yeah. one issue where I edited it that she wanted to be like really specific. So we like changed the edit for her. It was like two words, but it was, you know, because she's a researcher and she wanted to like be really strictly science. 
I mean, otherwise 99% of them were just like going with their gut and their intuition. And they're all at a place in their career where they just want to share their wisdom. And I was just really blessed, you know? Yeah, that's so great. I was so curious about that. I was like, I got to know what that journey was like, because I know how I am when I'm talking to the producer or whatever, and the questions that I ask, and then the things that come up for me. And I just want to thank you for being the type of director that when you felt compelled and called to let people have, you know, final review uh, of the edit to give them that because it is such a vulnerable place to be in because the media doesn't have the best track record, like I said, of portraying healers in, in the best light. But back to any healing moment that you had while you were making this. So I introduced my husband, who's quite a bit older than me, to a new integrative doctor because he had come from, he had different doctors when I first met him and they were more conventional. And so I introduced him to this amazing integrative doctor and he did this full blood panels and everything. And I was like, well, there's some stuff that I'm curious about. So I said, I might as well do my whole blood panel too and see what's going on. Maybe I can like tweak some things with diet or food sensitivities or whatever. So a couple of weeks later, when we get the test back, he's like, we'll go over all of your husband's stuff, but can you actually come to the office? I want to go over some stuff on your labs. And I was like, oh, sure. So I go in and he's like, so you tested positive for, you've got a lot of mycotoxicity. So a lot of mold in your system. And I was like, okay. And then I thought back and I was like, oh yeah, I had been exposed to black mold and nobody ever tells you that you need to clean it out of your system. They mm. just, you know, so that's something I've, I wish I would have touched on more in heal, but it was a little specific, but like mold is so rampant and, and could be like this insidious cause of any mystery illness that's going on out there. Mm. So it's something to be aware of and test for, for sure, because you have to act. It's really hard to get it out of your system because it just kind of stays and hides and your immune system is worn out trying to find it and get it out. So I had mold toxicity. And then he said, you tested positive for Lyme disease. And I was like, what? Whoa. Like, yeah. So, and this is right before I had started heal. And it's like, oh, that's so interesting. I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm in my twenties. I had brain fog and afternoon fatigue, but I thought that was pretty standard, you know? And so nothing acute. And he's like, yeah, you, you have two of the, two out of the three markers are positive. I'm going to resend your blood to the best Lyme lab in Connecticut or wherever it is. So he did that and it was confirmed. And I was like, that's so interesting. And it was kind of like the moment of awareness where you're like, oh, I could easily, I'm getting pulled into the direction of fear. I had this weird mm. moment where I was like, oh my gosh, I have Lyme. And I, and I remember like old programs of when you're in high school or when you're even younger, much younger, and you like seek sympathy for love. Like, so if you're sick, you like play it up and you get more love and attention. And I had this moment, I was like, wow, I could freak out right now knowing how bad Lyme could be. And it was just this weird conversation in my head, like, but like, I'm not having any acute symptoms. I'm relatively healthy. I'm running marathons. Like, so that it might be in there and it could get worse, but there's no sense to build a drama around it. I don't need to call anybody, but I had an old program that wanted to kick in and seek sympathy and attention. Wow. God, I just want to take a moment like to, I mean, thank God you had worked to build up the conscious awareness within yourself to even be tracking and aware of yourself having those thoughts, because can you imagine how you begun to go down that train track. I mean, you could have created a freaking disastrous path for yourself because once that train gets trucking on that particular track of receiving love for sympathy and then like, yeah, I mean, I can see where that 
could have gone. So it, that's a miracle in itself that you were able to track that, catch that and stop it and go in a different direction. Wow. It felt pretty miraculous. It was like, whoa. Yeah. And so, and I mean, I was online researching and I was blessed that I have means and resources. And even my doctor was like, you should go to Germany. It's three weeks. You're hooked up to an IV of antibiotics, like pretty massive treatment. But he's like, you know, you're so lucky you can afford the best treatment. Let's get ahead of this thing. And I was like, okay. So I kind of started looking into it. And of course I told my mom and my best friend, but I finally went back to him. I was like, look, let's just, can we just like, let's treat the mold now. And then let's keep an eye on the Lyme. If I start to like get weird symptomology, then I'll hop on the first flight to Germany, you know? And so that's what we did. We treated the mold with high doses of vitamin C IVs and glutathione and some mm. binders. And it took about six months, tested again, three of the molds were gone. Then a new one popped up. But the funny thing is after six months of doing that treatment, I no longer tested positive for Lyme. Whoa. Wow. That so was just a really cool moment of awareness. And like, and obviously all of the teachers that I ended up putting in the film had prepared me for that moment, but it was just like, it was wild to like be out of body and go, Oh, the child and the wounded child in me wants to use this for drama, but I'm not going to let it. Oh my God. So what we were just talking about, like that really was the precipice of the miraculous moment was you tracking your thoughts making the decision to have a healthy mind and healthy, positive attitude and thinking around it. Oh my God. I'm just like kind of taking in. That's such a potent, powerful story you just shared. Thank you so much. That's so cool. And it kind of takes me to um, some of the other things when I was, you know, doing some research and taking notes. I, one of the taglines you used for the heal documentary, I think I saw a couple different ones, but one was the most powerful healer is within. And then you we're sharing in another interview, the mind-body connection is incredibly powerful. You said that's why you recommend trying to think positively for healing and general wellness, positive emotions, release healing chemistry in your body and negative emotions like fear, rage, or resentment, release stress chemistry, stress chemistry, which we know can ultimately cause damage. So again, I don't know, you know, I don't really have a specific question, but now that we're kind of going in this trajectory or on the power of the mind and positive thinking and how the most powerful healer truly is within what comes up, do you have any other, you know, spiritual practices or ceremonies you've done that have helped to unlock your own inner healer? Like what are some of the things that you did leading up to get you to a place where you were able to have that conscious awareness? Because those are the monumental, miraculous turning point possibilities that can then direct the course of our lives. You had to have done some work, inner work, before you got diagnosed with Lyme for you to be able to be with your thoughts in that way to be able to be brave enough to acknowledge, oh shit, I'm kind of wanting to go the drama route here. Am I really trying to get sympathy and attention from being sick? Oh shit, I am, but I'm not going to choose that. What were you doing to get you to that place? I, I don't know why I feel silly saying that this movie was like a game changer for me, but because some people are like, I don't know, people have their opinions about The Secret, but I watched The Secret and I... I was like, it just, it really like put it energy into layman's terms and kind of got me peaked. My interest peaked in quantum physics. And then that going, so starting to like, and then going to agape and listening to Michael's teachings 
like it was just all about frequency and energy and like what you're putting out there and, and then like diving into Wayne Dyer. So it was just like, I drive around because I was an actor before. So I drove to auditions. I'm sitting in the freeway. I'm sitting in my car for three hours a day. And I would just listen to Eckhart Tolle on repeat, the power of now and the pain body and, mm-hmm, and love that. you know, and just like, so that gave me so much awareness and wisdom. Then I would listen to Wayne Dyer on repeat, like change your thoughts, change your mind and listen to the data Ching. And, and then I would train for marathons. I'd be listening to Abraham Hicks, you know, running seven miles. So it was just this like reprogramming of the long road of reprogramming by just inundating my brain with this new wisdom that says what you put your attention on is what grows, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay. And everything is frequency and energy. So, and, and just even, um, what is his name? David R. Hawkins, like his Mm -hmm. emotional frequency scale, you know, and, and vibration. So I just knew that like cascading down this path of of negativity and drama is only going to create more of that. And I just knew too much at that point, you know? And Mm -hmm. so, and not to say that if something, if I was experiencing acute symptoms or pain, or it was a different diagnosis that maybe there's a little bit more fear for me around or whatever, that I would have the strength and the mental ability to react in the same way. You know what I mean? But it was enough to where I was like, okay, I believe at that point, like you can reverse and do so much to almost any chronic illness. So I had that belief implanted. Then I had all of this wisdom teaching that I had just been inundating into my psyche for previous four years. And and so it set me up to like really just know that I have control over my mind as long as I'm feeding it fairly good food and keeping it, you know, healthily, like just the neurochemistry balanced. Mm -hmm. I have control over my mind and I can choose what I put attention on. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that was coming up when you're sharing is, you know, and my sister's a nurse and I've got a lot of different healers in my family that kind of run the gamut. I do have an aunt who's a shaman, but then I have a lot of psychotherapists and people that work in hospitals. And so we we have the full spectrum in my my lineage. But I am also always fascinated how when you go to a more traditional doctor's appointment, before I had my spiritual awakening, I had severe eczema, like autoimmune stuff going on like crazy. My eczema would be so severe. Sometimes the only thing that would calm it down was getting shots of, you know, steroids. I think it was cortisone shots that I would get. And every time I would go, I mean, this was long before, like I said, I had my spiritual awakening, but they would never ask me, you know, like other questions about myself on on a soul level, spirit level, emotional level. It was always like another salve, another ointment, another cream, another injection. And I just remember after the doctor would leave, like if my mom was with me in the appointment, I would just always say to her, this doesn't add up. This doesn't make sense. Like how is smearing something on my skin? This is clearly something that's happening internally. And, and there was just that part of me that always wanted to track back and root back and get back to like, what is the root that's causing my body to be so freaked out and inflamed that it's expressing through my skin. And finally I let my intuition you know, take over. And I started to get colonics. And that was one of my biggest saving graces was going for regular colonics. And I started to do regular green juicing and I started to heal my internal body. And once I started to heal my digestive tract through the juicing and the colonics, then when I freed up that emotional healing space, then I was led and guided to different, deeper spiritual and soul level healing. And it was through that that cleared up the autoimmune immune disorders.
So yeah, I just, I think it's important that we talk to our body's symptoms and to have that intuition and knowing, you know, thank God more and more people are understanding, but it's like, we're just conditioned to think else, you know, like otherwise. So it's just amazing that you had a knowing that that just like throwing something at a symptom isn't the answer. There's something going on underneath. And I'm so glad too, that there are more doctors out there that are starting to expand the uh, soul exploration and asking those questions as well. Me too. Thank God. Yeah. So before we get to, and um, because you are also on mama duty right now, if you're not able to do a little guided brief practice at the end, I totally understand mama, mama energy takes precedence. But before we get to that, if you are able to do that. I'd love to just touch upon the fact that you're a contributor to Animal Power Book and that you shared an incredibly powerful story about your connection to the whale. And we can leave, you know, the full story for the people that actually purchased the book so they can dive in. But I just would love for you to touch on whatever's coming up for you around how you first started to get so deeply connected to the whale and what the medicine teachings of that animal, how it supported you throughout the years. Yes. I mean, it's funny. My friend, Lissa Rankin, she last year, right before the pandemic, we were talking about my need to slow down because I had been on a creative output for so long. And it was so interesting because she goes, she doesn't even know my like connection to the whales or the fact that I'm like, see them everywhere I go, whether in Mexico or Maui or Malibu. And so she says, it's almost like you've been a whale breaching at the surface and slapping and, and using all your speed to jump out of the water and breaching. Uh, and spouting now energy. Spouting energy and flapping your tail and breaching. And, and she's says, and it seems like your soul wants to go just dive deep into the quiet and the dark and to recharge and to reconnect, you know, so you get that creative juice flowing again. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is exactly what I need. Mm. I'm feeling that again (laughs) right now, but yeah, whales to me, I just think are so sensitive and intelligent. And, you know, I'm a water baby. I grew up in Southern California on the beach and I never saw whales in front of my house in Long Beach, but now living in Malibu, like one morning, I just went out paddleboarding with these whales and they just, I feel like they're so sensitive because everybody's always like, aren't you scared of the whales? I said, no, I, I feel like they are like how horses are so sensitive and hyper aware, like whales are so sensitive. And, and at the end of my experience, which was just so magical and mystical, and I don't even know like that much about the science of whales, but I knew that this whale was like a juvenile, like a, maybe like a, you know, a juvenile, like a preteen or something. And it came right up and like looked at me in the eye. And then it was literally three, four inches from my board. Like this is a massive you know, 14 foot long creature. And it didn't, my board didn't even move. It came up, said hi, dove right under me. There was like, he didn't touch it. He didn't bump my board. And he, it was just like, he was so, and intuitively, I feel like it was a boy. I don't know why, but he was so playful, curious, respectful, and like precise. I mean, to the point where he knew the ripple of the water wouldn't, but it was wild. It was wild. So I just think they're so wise and mm-hmm. sensitive. They are. They're one of my favorite creatures too. And I've guided a lot of shamanic journeys in the recent months where we specifically set the intention to call upon whale and its medicine. 
just allow people to go into those depths and do some of that deeper healing and shadow work because the whale, it's so mystical, so deep, so potent, yet, like you said, just so loving and respectful as well. So it's a great guide and teacher for so many ways. So just thank you again for sharing your story and Animal Power book. It added so much. And by the time this interview comes out, the book will be out in, you know, the next couple few weeks. Mm -hmm. I'm excited. Yeah. For people to finally have it in their hands. Cause I know it makes me cry on a regular basis working with it at my altar. And I'm like, I can't wait for everybody else to have this book. So I'm so excited for everyone too. And I love, 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 love the cover. Oh my gosh. It's powerful. Yeah. So thank you. I loved this chat. It took its own form, which I love it when they do that. So thank you for taking the time as a busy mama to share all of your wisdom and the healing teachings um, that you've gained along the way and for sharing more because Heal has turned into, you know, it's it's not just a documentary. It's it's a book. It's an online course. You've got swag. You have a podcast. You've done summits around it. It's like a whole healing empire you've built. So thanks for all the work you bring to the world. And do you want to just close the ceremony circle with the fact that you have your beautiful daughter slowly, gently flowing off into to dreamland? I mean, this is powerful medicine whether people are watching the video or not we could use this as your ceremony if you'd like oh well that would be really great she's had a she's had a traumatic 20 minutes so i appreciate it but yeah i've really thank you i love 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 this conversation i loved connecting with you and i know this is you know a good sign and i can't uh yeah i hope to see you soon i can't wait to support your book when it's out Thank you so much, sister. I appreciate you as well. And thank you to the Ceremony Circle Soul Fam for sitting with us as always with every episode. It's a true co-creation between not just myself and the guests, but all of you listening. So we will sit with you again soon. Woo! What a beautiful, powerful voyage that was. It truly brings me so much joy and activates and lights me up to be able to sit with these incredible teachers, leaders, and masters from all over the world. So to learn more about them, just head to my website where all of the show notes and their details are listed. That's alisoncharles.com, A-L-Y-S-O-N-C-H-A-R-L-E-S.com. And remember, what makes Ceremony Circle Podcast so unique is that at the end of every single episode, you're able to immerse in a potent guided ritual practice or ceremony for your empowerment. So please feel free to make note of the practices that you really resonate with, the ones that really light up your soul and come back to those episodes anytime, any day. You can use them as your daily practices. And I recommend starting your day with one of them at your altar space. Ah, it's been an honor voyaging with you today. And I would so truly appreciate if you'd open your heart to take a quick few seconds to drop a review on Apple, sharing what you love most or appreciate most about Ceremony Circle Podcast. Receiving those reviews is so helpful and allows us to continue to share this valuable content. And don't forget, if you haven't already gotten your copy of my new best-selling book, Animal Power, you can do so anywhere books are sold, or I most recommend going to my website. Again, that's alisoncharles.com, 
backslash animal power. Because when you purchase for you and your friends there, you get a free video guided shamanic journey to meet your current power animal that I facilitate. Animal Power Book is a modern day compendium featuring 100 different power animals, what each animal represents, their wisdom messages for you, guided practices, and stories from all over the world. I personally put the book up to my heart each morning at my altar, and I ask which animal most wants to work with me that day. And then I simply close my eyes and flip the book open to the page I'm guided. And let me tell you, I have been deeply moved to tears on many occasions, and I can't wait for you to experience it as well. I worked on this book for many, many years, and it's now my greatest honor to have it available for you. So anytime animals reveal themselves for you, you can just head to Animal Power Book and see what that animal is trying to get your attention for. All right, Soul Fam, let's unite again in our next episode coming out next week so we can sit together and continue to activate greater consciousness energies for everyone. Much love. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only, and my intention is not to provide medical advice or diagnosis. You should always consult a health professional before making drastic changes to your diet or lifestyle.